Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. If you're looking to throw some optics on your turkey gun this spring, look no further than the Vortex Defender ST. This is the red dot we're going to be running this season. We're excited about it. This thing's built like a tank, super lightweight, super long battery life, everything you need in a good turkey red dot. And if you want to get a discount on that red dot or any other Vortex Optic, go to eurooptic.com and use the code SGN10 to get a discount. That's eurooptic.com, code SGN10. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the EcoWild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar. May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you. And we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. All right, everybody, another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. We're wrapping up the 2019 ATA show in Louisville, and we've got a whole bunch of people around. So starting with me, Andrew Maxwell, we're going to go to my left, and we're just going to go around counter or clockwise. Okay. So this is Mike Higman from Down South Hunting Podcast. Jacob Myers, Southern Outdoorsman. The ginger bow hunter. <coughs> Ernie Power from Tethered. Greg Godfrey from Tethered. Taylor Chamberlain from Tethered. Sean Chadwick from Tethered. Carl Kasuth from Tethered. Bunch of Tethered folks in this building. Hey, we're, we're all deep in Tethered yeah. together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't like where this is going. <laughs> yeah. That's why we asked you here, actually. 
Yeah, balance it out. Yeah, guys. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a non like like tethered t- apparel in here. Apparel. Apparel. We are in Louisville, the place where things are not pronounced correctly. Right? Well, look at our name. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. Come on. people read it like we yeah. Had, we were asking the dude down there when we first got here. We're like, hey, is uh, there there a company here called Tethered? And Jacob's <laughs> like, it's T E T, and the guy's like trying to type it in. It's uh, and then he couldn't figure out your last name, Greg. I don't even think it's under my name. No, I think it was under Ernie. So yeah, his room's in my name. Never would have found it anywhere. Oh well, yeah. He's like, yeah, they're here. And we're like, cool. We're at the right place. Sweet. Yeah, that would have been awkward. So ATA, it's been fun. This is my first ATA. Yep. This yeah. is it's all of our first ATA. Yeah. Except for Taylor. Hey, Taylor, yeah, he's the vendor. So it's everybody's first ATA except Taylor. Yeah. yeah I did not I did not bring my ATA virginity with me this <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> how many how many have you been to? Uh, I started coming to them this is probably six or seven years ago. Oh wow. Are you sick of it? No, it's a lot of fun. The ATA yeah. is a great time. I mean the, the the atmosphere, the energy in there is cool. Mm-hmm. Um I really enjoy kind of tinkering with things, picking things up, playing with them, figuring out how they work. Um, so that, for me, is always fun to see what the new products are, where the innovation is, uh, and then figure out kind of how I can implement that into my hunting strategy. Yeah, I agree with that. I just hear a lot of people complain about ATA. I loved it. I had a great time. Well, they I don't know about the rest of you guys. Well, it's, it's like it's a lot of work. Like you get you, From everyone I've heard that's been doing it for like seven, eight years, like, you're going, you know, you're shaking a bunch of hands, you're talking to a lot of people, you're trying to get stuff done, but it's like stressful because you got so much limited time in a day to try to get it all done. So many people are trying to talk to you, at least like how it was for you guys. It seemed like everybody, you know, had y'all pulling every direction, so y'all had a bunch of stuff to get done. And, yeah. uh, you know, I just heard after a while it'll wear on you, which. I can't decide if I wish it was more days or less days. Yeah. I got to see hardly anything. But I was so busy all day, every day, I'm exhausted. You know, so I'd like more time to actually look around and see some cool stuff. But I don't think I can do any more days at the schedule we've been keeping. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, one thing I'd like to talk about real quickly before we jump into everything else is, you know, what did y'all, if everyone pretty much going for the first time, I mean, Mike, all of us, you know, first time being here, you know, what was something that you took away from it, whether it was a piece of gear or person or something you met that was like, hey, that, that was pretty cool? For me, it was, uh, well, there's a couple pieces of gear that were, absolutely awesome yeah. you know um but for me it was it was the uh, interaction with some people you you're gonna meet people here mm-hmm. that you just any other day of the week you you know having all these people and all these minds yeah. and all these connections in one place for you know these three days it's it's awesome yeah making those contacts no, i agree i mean it's all about like networking when you get here but it's like putting names to faces like to all you guys i know all y'all through facebook you know everybody yeah. and it's like now coming here i'm like dude i get to freaking meet every one of you I'm like, yep. that's, that's awesome i really appreciate that you know it's one place like you said you can come and you're meeting and introducing yourself to so many different people that you may or may not already know but maybe you've heard of their name like oh hey you know it's, it's great to meet you great to see you great to finally see you in person right and i've really enjoyed that so far yeah Anybody else got something that they liked, like some product or, or some aspect of the show they really liked? Boy, I mean, there's just some cool stuff. Me being kind of nerdy and geeky, the coolest thing I saw was a CO2-powered crossbow. The steamboat. Oh, that thing yeah. was awesome. We were, we were talking killer. about that earlier. That, the details, I don't know anything yeah. about this. What? <laughs> so, so this crossbow is yeah. set up on a on a pin system on the front okay. and uh, you pull two pins and the limbs fold down so the whole thing basically stores like a rifle you can walk it in like a rifle you can store it in your truck like a yeah. rifle you get out to your stand and you fold it out drop the two pins in 
and then the string is loose at that point. You bring the string back just like you would cock it, but it, you can do it with two fingers. I mean, there's no tension on it at all. You put the arrow on it, mm -hmm. and on the back of the stock, very similar to like an airsoft gun, is yeah. a CO2 tank. Mm -hmm. And when you start getting into a situation where you've got a, a shot is going to be imminent, mm -hmm. you reach up and there's a little valve, and you turn it, and you slowly let air out of that CO2 tank into two hydraulic pistons that wedge the limbs way forward and puts all the string tension on for you. So you're not sitting in the stand with a loaded crossbow for hours. You mm -hmm. load it at the last second when you need to, and then whatever happens, it's time to put your crossbow away. You don't need a target. You go up there and you hit the valves and the limbs release again. And it folds back up and out you go. Yeah, it's got two pins that you can pull, and it, it folds down less than a raven. That's insane. Yeah. That's cool. That's crazy. Yeah, so do you think you should be able to use that during archery season? Oh, I would never use it. I'm just saying it's yeah. from a nerdy, geeky type of a perspective. <laughs> yeah. I like the engineering yeah. of it. Yeah. You know, I've never seen anything like that applied in that. I'm bummed situation. by Yeah, it was cool. It. it was very cool. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, when it comes to like using a compressed air, it's kind of like that Benjamin Airbow that came out a couple of years ago. Yeah. You know, and, you know, that's been talked about in certain aspects. I think, did y'all ever talk about that in the podcast? I don't think so. I, I, we no. Adam had some opinions on crossbows that yeah, we yeah. got into, but yeah, yeah. I well, don't think we got to the airbow. But it's like you know that it's using all you know compressed air, you know CO two to be able to shoot it, which is kind of you know fascinating. Again, I think Alabama you can use it, but I can't remember. I don't think you can use it in archery season. No, you yeah. can't. Because Andrew had one when he when he worked at Field and Stream. You dealt with a couple of them, right? Yeah, and we had to shoot them in the indoor bow range, and it sounded like a two seventy. Yeah, <laughs> loud. Well, yeah. they they stopped coming back to the show after one of them exploded. Really? <laughs> yeah, they they had an incident on a shooting what? lane, and I was there when it happened. So it was Billy and a buddy of mine. <clears throat> We're walking around, and the the airbow is super loud. You know, it's like Wah, yeah. And uh, so something happened where the arrow broke, and when it hit the target. I think it was the insert came blowing out and came screaming down range at oh ATA and smoked this guy next to us in the leg. Oh, and he, no. He shot out like he got shot. Yeah, he's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> it's a deck, right? It put a hole in his jeans. I mean, it, it was, he wasn't hurt, but it, I think it surprised him more than anything. But it was hilarious that, you know, I mean, the, how quickly everything happened. And then, that shooting lane got shut down pretty quickly. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't think I would hunt with it personally. I did have to go through a crossbow stretch in my life where I had a shoulder replaced. Um, and so I had to hunt with a crossbow. Hated it. Absolutely hated it. Um, and the biggest thing I didn't like about it was that it's sitting there at full draw with an arrow in it all the time. Mm -hmm. it, it's, I mean, it's, you know, with a rifle, you got a rifle, you got a cartridge in there. It's the same kind of potential energy thing. But for whatever reason, every time I looked at that thing, I kept thinking that thing's just going to go off at any point. And I just hated it. Mm -hmm. um, whereas with this, there's no energy stored in this until you push the button in the front. So it's a slack string until you load it at the last second. And that, I thought, was really, um, even from a safety perspective, I thought it was cool. And the guys who were there presenting, uh, they were from Austria. Austria, Austria. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. Very cool guys. Yeah, very cool guys. Was that, part of Cold, was that the Cold Steel crossbow, or is that something totally different? No, it's no. called the Steambow. Steambow. Yeah, it was um, its own company called yeah, Steambow. Yeah, out of Austria. That's crazy. But yeah, just, and the thing, it wasn't even a, a compound crossbow. It had traditional recurve limbs recurve on it. Limbs. Yeah. Um, but it was just seeing that pneumatic piston technology. Mm -hmm applied like that was really really cool did those guys have to like carry out stuff when they snuck across the border <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a good question 
Well, it's like another piece of gear that I, I kind of appreciated this actually seeing after a little bit of hype on inst- on Instagram was the um, the Lone Wolf custom gear sticks and stand. That combo, seeing like what they could possibly do, you know, just doing machining work. Thought that was kind of fascinating. Mm-hmm. Plus those sticks and the way they have everything, you know, snapped together. You can tell they put a lot of effort into trying to figure something out that would be you know mobile and also very usable. But it's the problem is this price point and functionality. So I, I was really impressed crazy. with the amount of thought and effort and time that clearly went into that gear. Yeah, they, sure. I mean, yeah. they literally thought through, it, and it's kind of funny because that's kind of how like the saddle hunting's come about, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Is you you just keep doing it and you get in these scenarios and, and you go, well, how can I make that better? How can I improve on that? How can I fix that? And then you kind of end up making changes, keep, keep making changes and with those sticks, it was pretty clear that uh, <laughs> there's an ice machine going off outside. Yeah, either that or somebody's dragging a body over the wrapping a carpet down the hallway in the hotel here. Uh, Might have man. to check that out. Yeah, I mean, it's obvious, right? The Lone Wolf Custom was the buzz. Everybody was talking about that, and the saddle yeah, hunting and, world, and the store behind yeah. it too. Yeah, and so, the hunting beast. Yeah, it was it was it was big news at ATA. Um, another piece of gear. That really surprised me um, was the Hawk Sticks too. Um, excellent product that looks like it's coming, and actually, it is was developed based on what looks like uh, feedback from the SaddleHunter.com forum, and a forum member named Dave T. Nineteen sixty-three bought bought the original Hawk Sticks, cut them down, made them a twenty-two inch stick. I want to say mm-hmm. with two steps. And it looks like they're gonna come out with something just like that mm-hmm. for the set for the hunter. Um, yeah, they added gonna, the Versa button. They too. already put the they added Versa button, button to it, and they added a, a rubber suction cup. They suction, a suction cup. They, guess they yeah. call it a suction cup to hold the sticks together. Pretty slick. It's yeah. gonna be it's gonna be a, a nice set of sticks, and I think, and most importantly, I think it's gonna be a good cost effective option for the, uh, yeah, for the yeah. average hunter. Hawk's price point is fantastic. Great. Yes. Great. Your average working man can afford them. Correct. Yeah. Unlike the Lone Wolf Custom Sticks <laughs> <laughs> or the trend we are currently seeing in climbing sticks where... You have to sell are, a kidney to buy one. Yeah. I mean, $300, $400. I mean, that, we were talking about that Lone Wolf Custom thing off air. I mean, $900 it is for that kit. Yeah, for the kit. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. unreal. Dude. It's I, unreal. I mean, if you think about the idea behind hunting public land and like, you know, I'm not going to be a member of a hunt club. I'm not going to pay to play. But I'm gonna drop a G on my on my mobile running kit. I mean, I I'm so cheap. I'd rather carry more weight. I haven't heard that number yet. Was was that the stand and the so, some sticks? Or? So yeah, the the stands four ninety nine. The set of sticks, which I don't know if it's three or four sticks. It isn't. I don't think it specifies. It doesn't it say. It is like three forty nine or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so eight hundred and fifty bucks for a set yeah. of sticks and a stand. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's you know that's the thing, and you know because of the Quistos and everything, they're going to sell. They're going to sell some, but it's like trying to figure out, you know, who's the one that's going to be buying and how niche is that market going to be. That that's the thing I'm wondering about. It's like you know, uh, Andre was saying that there was a bunch of guys come by saying that they're going to buy a stand, but it's like how many truly are going to buy that setup? I mean that's ridiculous. I mean. It, you know, you know, we spend. You know, some of us will spend a thousand dollars on a bow setup or whatever. Sometimes more than that. You know, shooting compound and everything else or crossbows. But it's like, I don't. You know, when it comes to like a a, a hunting system, where it's a climbing system, tree stand, saddle, whatever, to spend that much money on that is 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 I think it's pretty crazy. Especially you know for the weight savings. I mean, compared to you know saddle hunting or something. You know, seven pound stand compared to you know two and a half pound saddle. 
Yeah, that's that's kind of my hang up with stuff like that. Is if you're that if you're that concerned that you're gonna spend a thousand bucks to like save some weight, I mean, there's cheaper options like a saddle. I mean, someone could do a sit and drag in a in a you know, yeah. You make a saddle. Yeah, I don't know. rock climbing harness <laughs> for for less than that if they know how to sew a little bit. So. All, all I know is I hope my wife isn't listening to this because I can't have her figure out what this stuff actually costs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, yeah, especially with you buying your three releases and Ooh, what else yeah. you <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, Dang, I, I went on a little, a little splurge uh, spree at the Carter booth. Yeah. That's minute two of the show floor. Yeah, like we literally <laughs> walked in. He walks up there. Taylor walks up to the Carter booth, and I'm like, "Oh, cool. He's gonna he's gonna buy a release." I didn't really care. I shoot a stick bow, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, she hands him the the book, and he's like, a, it, was, "It was like he was a yeah, at stalling. a restaurant, yeah, you know." I was drooling. Yeah, like, it, it, it was, was like a restaurant. I'll take two of these for the. <laughs> it was like the pick six four that Arby's used to have, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so. Uh, okay. Give me all of your dollar menu, please. <laughs> and see, I, I enjoyed walking around. One thing that I noticed about the, this convention compared to like everything else that we've been to, especially like NWTF or any of these other you know large conventions, is the lack of so many people. Uh, you know, you're used to seeing. You know, if you go to some of these you know conventions that are open to the public, yeah, the consumer shows. Yeah, yeah there, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, 80 thousand people will show up in a Jeez. weekend. Yeah. And here, you know, I don't know what the number was, but it was not even close. To that. I mean, you're walking around. It's not that crowded. You know, you know, some of the booths were crowded. It's quiet. We could film in there. Yeah, it was fantastic. We could not People film in the podcast everywhere. I mean, there was guys, you know, like recording everywhere. It's because it was nice, calm, and relaxing. And I, I enjoyed that. <clears throat> I enjoyed the calm, relaxing feel of this. Now, we again, we were not nearly as busy as you guys. Y'all were going to a bunch of different meetings and everything else. But, you know, we I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a heck of a time. Got to meet a lot of people. And uh, got a lot of stuff planned for this coming year, which, you know, we're excited about. So, that's fantastic. Did you guys get a chance to go check out, uh, you know, Garmin came out with that Zero site last year. Mm-hmm. Did you guys get a check to see the, the Burris counterpart? Yeah, oh, it's yeah. fantastic. We yeah. filmed it. And, and to me, that's a, that's a more of a hunter-friendly system than the Garmin is because you get the lack of glass, you don't have to worry about that. And then they're, they're designed for, you know, if something is up within, I think they said like seven or eight yards, it automatically shoots up all your fixed pins. So it goes out to, you know, wherever you set it, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70. So you're ready to shoot. So it's pretty, I liked it. Yeah. Low battery, all of a sudden your fixed pins pop up. Yep. You know, that kind of thing. Um, Where do those two com- compare on price? Exactly. Almost the same. Really? The, the Garmin, I think, is like right around the $800 mark. And that Burris <laughs> was like the, like 650 to 800 depending on what model you're getting. See, so why is it that we don't bat an eye at an $800 site? Or we don't, we I don't bat an complain? Eye. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, yeah, yeah, no, no, but for, there was. When that first came out last year, the Garmin, people were like, dang. Yeah. And then they actually went hunting, and the thing was fogged up. They couldn't see what they were shooting at. Mm. But, yeah, you get drawn back, and you just see your own face. Yeah, but but the thing is, you know, people always will buy the new thing that comes out. They don't care what the price is. They want to have it. It's like mm-hmm. a car, truck, mm-hmm. whatever. They're going to buy it. Then afterwards, like, oh, maybe I should have done that. Because I've done that. I'm, I'm guilty of it myself. <laughs> I can't imagine spending $800 on a bow site. Yeah. What happens if you drop it in a creek? I fell in a creek earlier this year. Yeah, yeah. you did. <laughs> Sideways. Straight up, man. I just got to wait for Vortex imagine. to make one. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I, I'm actually surprised Vortex didn't have one. I'll be honest with you. You know, they're already doing rangefinders. They're already doing red dots. It's just putting that same technology in a new housing. Well, I'm surprised mm-hmm. they didn't. Do I, it. I think what the technology that Faradine had on there is the IQ Bowsight one. Mm-hmm. That's to me, that's a cool one, because what that is is that's a that's a fixed pin sight, but you line up this laser with your 20 yard pin, 
And now when you hit the range finding element, it's where your 20 yard pin is. So, and then there's a little LCD readout on the top. So you, you know, you have the critter coming in, you zap, it's 34 yards, then you use your, you know, gap your 30 and 40 pin or whatever, however you want to shoot that. You know, that to me at least doesn't fog up. It doesn't run out of battery. Well, if it runs out of batteries, you're just out of a range. The fog up is one I hadn't heard before. I, it doesn't surprise me. You know, it's glass. It makes sense. Yeah. I wonder if you couldn't put some kind of a, a barrier like scuba divers to put on their masks or something to kind of some keep sort of that coating. Or, yeah, yeah they, uh, I, on, the, on the glasses they use for the scopes on both sides. Yeah. Like, we, we stopped at one booth. They put a, a hydrophobic coating on there. Yeah. And... The fog dissipated almost immediately when he breathed on it. So, another hmm. option that's out there. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Again, it's cool to see where te- technology has come in just the last five or six years. I mean, it's it's fascinating where you know this stuff. You know, five years ago, people would probably not even believe, it except for people probably you know producing this. You know, had this idea. Meanwhile, you know, most people were like, "There's no way they're gonna have a digital site like that where it's automatically gonna fix the pin." Kind of like the uh, the Burris Eliminator scope back in the day. I think when they that, were the first ones to kind of do it. Yeah, when that came out with the rifle scope, people were like mind blown. Like yeah. Western hunters, like that, they were like, "Holy crap!" You know, you literally go out, put your ballistics in it. It's a ballistic calculator. You literally aim your target. You know, figure out what the yardage is. It'll tell you, and then shoot, and it literally drops the pin wherever you're gonna shoot, and then you just hold and. <laughs> so, but that's it's fascinating to see what's coming, and it makes you think like the next five years, what's gonna happen. Well, and everybody's screwed up a shot on wrong yardage. Yep. Whether it's rifle hunting, bull hunting, whatever. Yep. Everybody's screwed up something by picking the wrong yardage. Well, and back to your point, I mean, about the technology and how things are come, I mean, look at where cell phone trail cameras have come in the last oh, five yeah. years. Five yep. years ago, they, they just had come out. Mm-hmm. Now you have the advancements in technologies that are driving the price points down yep. where you don't have to spend $800 for a, you know, whatever the camera that was available now it's you know 150 bucks there are mm-hmm. a couple to show they're msrp 150 dollars yeah. yeah we talked we spent a long time talking with uh, uh exodus, exodus trail cameras today and i was super impressed with their company and you know how they really support hunters and they're they're in it all for the right reasons what did you and you guys see the spy point one Mm-hmm. Yeah, about 150 bucks. Right. It's like this. It's like slightly bigger than a deck of cards. 150 bucks, and you get 100 pictures free. The, the data is through them. You get 100 pictures free every month. No a way. deck it's of like cards. Five, but it's. That's it's I mean, it's a little bit thicker than that because you got to fit the batteries in there. But that's exaggerating a little bit. It's close. It's wow. it's really small. Yeah. Wow. wow. That's awesome. Well, that's crazy. I wouldn't be able to find it. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to <laughs> Well, now another thing that I want to talk to you guys about because y'all kind of seemed like y'all went in that booth was the gearhead booth. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the first time I've ever I've seen them in person at one of the deer shows back in Birmingham before never shot one and this is the first time I put my hand on any of their bows really and shoot them I was impressed with a 24 inch axle axle bow I know you guys kind of messed around with a couple of them again thinking of like a saddle hunter yeah. you know, with that bridge and everything it, it's freaking cool Yeah, well, that's the only bow that I got to shoot I wanted to shoot them all mm-hmm. but I just didn't have time and I shot the What's the little, the really little the 20 one? The 20. Okay, so I shot the little one, and then I guess the step up would have been the 24. 24. I like that 24. Yep. I mean, I could really see, from, you know, from my perspective, the way I hunt out of a yep. saddle. That yeah. thing, it's easy to maneuver left and right. Ernie, you made a really good point about you still got that arrow sticking out way out. Yeah. But as far as the cams and stuff, it's 
really cool. Yeah. I might pick one up. I like it. I, I would love to test one out and actually, maybe not go in a hunting situation, but at least get in the backyard and, you know, put, throw some targets out there and just see how easily you can maneuver <laughs> with that and see if there's any big difference that you really notice. You know, again, I shoot a 30-inch axle axle bow, a Halon 6. Um, and to me, it's not that bad to maneuver around, except for, you know, sometimes if I have to go over the bridge and it gets kind of, you know, kind of hectic or trying to go under the bridge, which I got a camera arm, so normally that doesn't work. But I think that that 24-inch would be a sweet, sweet bow for that concept. Plus, I shot great with it. I felt like it was comfortable. Uh, I thought it'd be kind of awkward to shoot the 20. I was not a big fan of it. It just the, the string it was so tight when I came back. It, to me, it did feel like it just wanted to teeter left and right just a little bit. But the 24 felt fine. When I shot the 24-inch, I almost felt like I was shooting the Halon. Like, for some reason, when I got back, if I would have closed my eyes, I would just kind of felt like that's what I was shooting. Yeah. I mean, it was fascinating to me. Well, I, I picked up the 20, and, and, you know, like I said, I shoot a recurve. I shoot a 60-inch bow, yeah. you know? So, <laughs> and so I'm holding this 20-inch compound, and, and I haven't shot a compound in years. Yep. And, uh, well, Sean was standing there next to me when I pulled it back. And I let it down, and I told him, I was like, man, that felt weird. Because yeah. I hadn't even pulled one back in forever. Yeah. Um, but when I saw it, the first thing that popped into my mind as a saddle hunter was not so much the shootability out of the saddle, mm-hmm. but uh, going in, coming out, the packability of it. Great. Um, and, you know, I've been on a couple um, uh, Colorado backcountry backpacking trips, you know, Um and that was the first place I, if I ever was to go back to a wheel bow, mm-hmm. uh, that's where I saw me with that bow yep. was on a backpack elk hunt because it's just so small. And yep. uh, well, and the reason I, I, I saw it is because where I hunted, it was uh, dark timber and deadfall central. Yep. I mean, everywhere. And yeah, it was uh, quite comical sometimes with me trying to go through deadfall with a recurve. Oh, I'm sure. Some good times. Well, it's like, again, it's just like coming from a mindset of, you know, use this, you know, 30, 32, 34-inch, you know, bow to go into something so small. At first, like, this is a toy. I told the guys that. I told them, we did, we did film a pretty cool review, which we'll be posting soon, about the three lines from the 20, the 24, to the 30, and kind of getting the, our thoughts on it. And you look at it, and I've heard guys like, man, it looks like a toy. And it really does. I mean, it looks like an erector set. That, That's the, what it reminded me yeah, of. Yeah, <laughs> the 18-inch bow, I mean, it looks like a straight-up toy. There was a guy we posted on Instagram. There was a guy coming. He's like, man, that looks like the front half of a crossbow, like the Raven crossbow or something. I'm like, yeah, that's what, exactly what it looks like. And But then you get a shoot, and you kind of mess around with it. You're like, man, this is pretty cool technology with their double riser. It's amberdextrous. You literally take, like, four bolts out. You, fl- you flip, flip it. it upside down, put the grip back in, and then you're good to go. Like, mm-hmm. it's that is cool. Again, it just a thinking. You know, I'm not an engineer by no trade, guys. I'm, I'm a salesman, so I'm just over here trying to, you know, pitch a product right now. <laughs> but uh, no, it's cool. It's it's a cool concept. I really like it, and uh, to me, it feels like it's it's made pretty rugged as well. That's so. the first time I've ever seen modularity built into a compound bow. Yeah. I mean, you literally, like you said, you pull the bolts, flip it. Now you're a lefty. Yep. It was pretty cool. Yes, yeah, fantastic. At that point, I might have some resale in my bows. I shoot lefties, and man, they're they're worth nothing the day you buy them. Yeah. You can't get them. <laughs> Well, that's what I told the guys because we were talking to one of, the, one of the guys over there that was kind of giving us the whole rundown and everything. And he said the same thing. He's like, you know, one cool thing is if you try to sell it, you know, you don't have to worry about, oh, it's a left-hand bow. I'm, you know, trying to sell it to a right-hand, you know, it ain't going to work. It's, hey, take it to the bow shop or they can do it themselves. You don't need a bow press to do it. Four bolts and you're good. Mm-hmm. So it's fantastic. I thought it was a really cool design. Um, do you all have anything else about ATA that you all wanted to touch on? You know, any kind of experiences, products, anything else like that? You know, one, one thing that I think will be interesting for you guys, you know, since this was everybody's first time at the show, 
you kind of get a sense of the community and you're talking about meeting people for the first time. Mm -hmm. What's fun for me is coming back year after year and seeing people that you met and kind of how the relationships have grown over the years. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's really pretty cool and pretty fun to experience that. So it'll be interesting next year to hear your guys' thoughts and, you know, how it went seeing people that, you know, for for a second time or a third time and what you're able to accomplish with those connections. Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially going and and filming. I I really enjoyed filming a couple different interviews. We didn't didn't film all that many different reviews on everything, but it was just kind of like what jumped out to us is what we filmed, Mm -hmm. and I freaking enjoyed the crap out of that. Uh, Just, you know, seeing different products, talking to the innovators of why they designed it, you know, kind of the the thoughts behind it. I really enjoyed that uh, mindset. Especially here at ATA, because everyone's here, you know, they're happy to show their product off there, but they're happy to talk to you. Just kind of get that mindset. It's, it's just great. I loved it. Um, but, you know, we got the whole Tether crew here. So I'm sure not everyone tuned in just to listen to us ramble about ATA. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so me and Andrew, uh, back in. And Mike, set, right? Yeah, you got, you got one, right? Yeah. 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 So I know me and Andrew had an episode back in September where he dropped the ball on me saying that he had bought a saddle. And I had not previously bought one. So out of spite, <laughs> I bought one. I, I texted Greg, like, hey, Greg, what do I need? All right, purchase it like the next day or whatever. And then got it in like a week later because when you're, when you're a little heavy, I guess, you know, the XLs were in stock at the time. So I got within a week. It was like. Uh, I said I should have ate a few more honey buns or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get that XL. There, there was a time, man, where being an XL was a nice benefit because we had extras of those and nothing of anything else. So. Yeah. And, well, the crazy thing is like when I first got it in, you know, I, I told Andrew before, and I talked about this on podcasts, and I probably talked to you, some of you guys about this too. Previously, I thought saddle hunting was ridiculous. Like a year a year ago, I was like, dude, because I heard I heard about saddle hunting two years ago, because someone on the running gun page, and I was like, man, that looks ridiculous. And then last, year, I was like, dude, there's no way in hell I'd get in that freaking strap, hang on the side of a damn tree, <laughs> and just like just you know have all that faith in there. And then like, there's no way you can shoot it. Like I can't believe shooting out of it. I can't think it's comfortable. It doesn't look reliable. And then I bought one because Andrew. And then you know, of course, y'all's videos probably helped. I mean. You know, a lot of y'all's on the Instagram or the uh, YouTube page that you guys have for Tether Nation put out a lot of short videos on the functionality of it, which gave me more confidence. Like, okay, maybe this, maybe this is doable. Then I got one in, started messing around with it. I'm like, dude, this is this is gonna be pretty cool. Then I had my first sit, and it was horrible because I did not <laughs> talk to anybody about how to put it on. Uh-huh. I just read the instructions, and it didn't say like where on your body, like everything should be placed, like how high, mm-hmm. how, how high, how low. And I had it way too high up the back. So, I, like, literally the bottom that should be cupped underneath you was, like, on my tailbone. Okay? It was ridiculous. The straps. It was how'd, horrible. Yeah, how'd those legs just work out for you? Two hours. Two hours on a tree. Yeah. Two unleveled wild steps. I was done. I'm like, I'm selling this stuff tomorrow. Man. No way in hell. Did you come I, down talking a couple octaves higher? I mean, yeah. Oh, it was, I, got, I got down. I was hunting with uh, Jonathan Bone from Catman Outdoors. And we were hunting. He was hunting. I was sitting drag, and he like he you know loves his setup. And I'm like after the fact, he's like, "Well, how'd you like it?" I'm like, "Dude, that was that was rough. That was rough." Now, of course, I text Greg. I was like, "Greg, what the hell am I doing wrong?" And he's like, "Maybe when you put it lower, like right at or below your belt buckle, belt line." And it tightened up. I did that, and it's, it's been perfect ever since. So, but it, it's just crazy how a full circle going from, you know, thinking this is ridiculous. There's no way in hell I'd ever do this, and now I'm like freaking passionate as hell about this product and using it. I mean, yeah. It's fantastic. If we had a dollar for 
for everybody that has said that, yeah. it's it's we ridiculous. wouldn't have to have tethered. <laughs> it, it can't be comfortable. You can't shoot out of it. It doesn't work. You're wrong. You know, everyone that is a saddle hunter is obviously lying that it's not comfortable. <laughs> you know? It's, it's a just it, it's it's what people think, yeah. and and it it just takes getting out of your comfort zone and and having an open mind. And if you're if you're willing to give it a try. Most people mm-hmm. find that it works for them in yep. some capacity. Now, maybe they don't turn into a, a maniac like a bunch of us, and where that's all we do. It, it it can just be you know, a golfer carries more than one club, yep. right? So it doesn't have to be your only means of hunting. But if you're willing to give it a try, and and like I said, use an open mind, which is super important. Try it. Most people find that it's a great tool, and it's a great way to be more efficient, lighter, and more mobile. Yeah, when I bought mine, my whole idea behind it was I kept, up until the point when I ordered mine, I'd shot two or three deer off the ground this year with my bow. Um, and my whole thought was I did never, I never would hunt off the ground with my stand. I would just go off the ground, still hunt with my bow through private thickets and stuff, and that's how, you know, get deer. But I was like, man, if I had a lightweight climbing option, you know, whether I was going to try pack sticks in or wild edge steps or sound approach, something like that. And then the saddle, I could wear it with me. I could put it in my backpack. If I find a spot with a lot of hot sun and I want to get up, I can do it. Yeah. And then not have to worry about stand on my back because I can't. I cannot shoot with the stand on my back. I just can't. I've tried. It just doesn't work out, especially past twenty yards. It just it doesn't work out for me. So that was the reason I bought it. And I was I told myself actually on if y'all watched the video on YouTube where I did like the opening of of the um, the package when y'all sent it to me. I was kind of doing like a little review of my first thoughts. I was like, yeah, you know, I'll probably use this early season, use my stand late season. And that's, you know, my thought. And then quickly afterwards, I'm like, I haven't sat in the sand since. I actually gave my lone wolf setup to my brother because I'm like, I, I just don't use it. And again, you know, a year ago, there was no way in hell I would have even agreed to that or even thought that was possible. But uh, it, it's just been absolute game changing. Super cool. Yeah. Now, Andrew, I got to use mine for about a month and a half or two months before Andrew got his. So. Man, that burned me up. I was mad. <laughs> I ordered mine. Andrew's like, salty, guys. I'm and then, like, you know. two days later, Jacob's like, oh, I ordered one yesterday. And then, like, three days later, he's like, hey, my saddle came in. I'm like, I hate you. <laughs> so, yeah, I sat in yours a few times, and it was really painful because it was too big and I had it set up wrong. And then, but I knew, I'd heard you, Greg, talk about, like, you just got to figure it out and you got to figure out how to set it up or whatever. And sure enough, like eventually I figured it out. Now it's really comfortable. Yeah, I saw Pretty much that the video where you guys, you were, I think you were hanging inside the apartment on a column. Hell yeah. Yeah, that was, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was awesome. <laughs> Dude, I, I, took the, I put the platform and everything. Now I didn't stand on the platform, but I put the platform up there just to see functionality. Yeah. When I got that thing, I was like, oh man, I'm going to like this. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you talked about on, on the, the, the Tethered YouTube channel, which is you know fairly new, yeah. uh, just the little brief videos that were on there that, that help you out some. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go to Greg's channel the mm-hmm. g2 outdoors channel mm-hmm. dude he you're ridiculous i probably <laughs> watch an hour and a half of content of you can talking about you can veg out yeah. on that i mean because like you, you take his uh his uh one video just on the types of tether setups you could do mm-hmm. and then the platform video it, it, it he co- it just goes yeah. through every every option that's there yeah, watch Greg's that covered on his channel, and that that is probably for the new saddle hunter who's looking for that instant information. Yep. Um, from a from a good source, it, you know, it's uh, it's all there, one spot. Yep, just that's where I went. Click on it and 
get some pop. Well, there's no doubt that that social media and and tools like YouTube have made saddle hunting accessible to the the greater hunting community. This isn't a new idea. I mean, saddle hunting has been around since the 80s. since the '80s yeah. when Anderson and and the big buck sling was out. Anderson tree sling, greens tree saddle. I mean, these are products that have been around for decades. But I think to me, the thing that's making it more accessible to hunters is that now people can discover it and and they can learn about it in a way um, that's easy to consume. So YouTube and social media, it's there. It's it's accessible. It's free. And before. I mean, the way the only way you could do it is if you had one, or like maybe your buddy had one or something, and they could show it to you, which no one was doing it, so nobody knew about it. But now we have these great tools available to us, where you know anybody can learn about anything really. But saddle hunting, you know, you can learn about it. It's great. Yeah, there there wasn't even that much. Uh, I'm I'm thinking way back here. I might have saw like a Guido's Web advertisement in, in a bow hunting magazine like years ago. It just wasn't put out there in front of your face, you mm-hmm. know, like it is now. It just wasn't, unless you picked up that magazine and even, you know, got lucky enough to see that, you, you wouldn't even know it existed. Yeah, and I agree. I totally agree. That's one reason I think Saddle has had such a big jump in probably the last few years is because of social media and also because of YouTube. Because, you know, when I first thought of Saddle Hunting, I thought guys were like hand-stitching this crap, right? You know, I, or like, you know, coming from manufacturing, they were doing all these crazy mods and stuff to it. Trying well, to make it work. Yeah, work. <laughs> that's exactly what y'all were doing. I was like, man, that's one reason. I was like, man, that can't be freaking safe, dude. Like, I'm just thinking, like, you're up there, you're hanging by. Again, when I first got mine in, I didn't know what a bridge was. I guess I didn't watch that many of y'all's YouTube videos. <laughs> no. I got in, I was like, what the hell is this? I was like, no, which part the, is the bridge? No, I thought the bridge was a tether. Dude, I was like, what, the, what well, is this? You also like, wore it under your armpits. <laughs> 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 I don't want to look at hey, a couple I, pictures. Yeah, it was a high rider. Okay? <laughs> He's sitting there like this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Who wants out of this damn thing? <laughs> How do I draw? Tell me somebody was there with the camera. No. No. Yeah, Jonathan filmed me. Oh, it was. There's footage of it. I was sitting uh, right next to it. That has to come to the light There's, somewhere. No, it's on his YouTube channel. I'm pretty sure. I think I made it, man. That's funny. But it, but again, it's just like coming from an aspect of only hunting up tree stands growing up in box blinds and crap. Saddle hunting is just like just not even on the table growing up. It's not even something that is even mentioned. And again, the only way I found out about it was through like Facebook and a little bit of YouTube and stuff like that. So, and then it just came to the point where, yeah, I'm going to try this because I'm tired of hanging, you know, carrying around, especially when I started self filming, carrying around 40 pounds of gear in the woods. You know, staying six, set up, you know, 25, 30 pounds, and then having all my camera here. It was, it was, it was way too much. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, but <clears throat> when you're saddle hunting, I mean, if you compare tree stand hunting, to saddle hunting mm-hmm. and you've divided it up into categories and you know we're looking for a winner of each category saddle hunting wins every single category yeah it, it's better than a stand on every level and and something that's really cool about saddle hunting is that uh, the the system or the process stays the same re- regardless of whether it's a hang and bang or if it's a just climbing in a prep tree that you already have sticks in and then clicking in and, and hunting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's the same system and it's repetitive and you can get really good at it really quickly Yeah, uh, just by, by trying. Yeah. Now, a question I'd like to ask everybody here is how were you introduced to saddle hunting? That's, that, well, that's one thing when people ask me, I was like, you know, mostly from you guys, you know, putting out so much stuff on social media, it has made me more and more interested into it. Okay. Because y'all were being so proactive in how y'all were trying to brand your name, brand your product. I'm like, you know what, you know, it's worth a try. But like, you know, kind of going around, you know, Ernie, you know, kind of give us a little background about you. How did you get into it? Well, I mean, 
I got into it real naturally because for 15, 20 years of my life, I was a tree trimmer. Okay. So I actually spent 40 hours a week every day of the year mm -hmm. in a saddle with spurs on, climbing trees for power line clearance and et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, and before I had ever even heard of the saddle hunting community, mm -hmm. there had been a few times where I just took my spurs and my saddle from work, you know, soaked in gasoline, nothing ozone can fix, and <laughs> got up in a tree and hunted with it. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I think the first commercially available saddle that I ran into was the Guido's Web. And I'm like, oh, my God, somebody's making one of these for hunting. And then it was just a downhill slide from there. I, I bought every <laughs> saddle I could find. Um, and still to this day, my primary go-to is a saddle and spurs. Mm -hmm. That's just what I grew up doing. That's what I'm good at. It gives me the most versatility, mm -hmm. and that's why I move forward. Okay. Greg? It was back in 20, uh, 2009. Um, I joined the military, and I was hunting a lot of public land. Um, I was in Colorado at the time. Or no, I wasn't quite there yet. But I was hunting public land, and I was having to develop my own system, uh, no longer hunting the lease that I grew up hunting mm -hmm. with my dad and my family, where we would just leave tree stands up in the woods, and you know we had feeders and food plots with shooting houses and stuff. And um, but when I joined the military, it was completely different. So now I had to take my stuff in and out with me, or if I left it, you know, I was either going to get stolen or tip off some other hunter that I was hunting there, or maybe they steal my spot, you know, quote unquote my spot on public land. Mm -hmm. um, but then I was on archery talk looking for looking for a better way. I think I was looking for a lightweight climbing tree stand or something like that. And I saw somebody posting about saddle hunting and I fell down the rabbit hole. And I purchased a trophy line tree saddle mm -hmm. and hunted with that for several years and, and then um, then we just started pursuing more uh, lightweight ways, more efficient ways, and I started making our own. I was one of those maniacs that was sewing up my own stuff and hanging, <laughs> hanging from uh, toothpick and dental, dental floss up in the tree. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's how I found it. It's so it's going on a decade now that I've been messing around with all this stuff. That's fantastic. The first I think saddle I've ever heard about was the trophy line. Mm -hmm. It was like I don't, I don't can remember what it looked like. I just remember hearing about that. I have a trophy line. I remember searching it, looking it up, and seeing guys in it. So that's kind of fascinating. Now, Taylor, what's your background again? You know, trying to get into saddle hunting. Yeah, I mean, I got into saddle hunting basically out of necessity. So I hunt in the suburbs of Washington D.C. We have a huge overpopulation of deer, um, and so my season runs year round. And I have, I mean, I have a thousand trees plus within a fifteen minute drive of my house that are that are able to be hunted from. Mm -hmm. There's no way I could have stands do that um <clears throat> i you know i i tried climbers for a little bit they weren't really functional for me based on the fact that we don't have a lot of perfect climbing trees when you're hunting a quarter acre backyard you know there might only <laughs> be two trees you could you could hunt from mm -hmm. uh so a buddy of mine showed me a saddle one day when i was at his house and i thought it was the coolest thing ever and uh, i went home and bought one on ebay that night and it was a trophy line and then i just went right down the rabbit hole um and i mean i i don't hunt from tree stands i mean I, i'll spend 150 to 200 days a year in my saddle mm -hmm. more i was gonna say if anyone knows how to like be comfortable and you know adjust it to yourself it would probably be you because how often you're hunting throughout the year i mean you definitely have the probably the most hunting experience of you know majority of us just because you're out there so much yeah i mean i uh i started saddle hunting i think 2008 
2000, yeah, 2008, so 10 years in the saddle. Um, so you used to adjust a lot of stuff in that amount of time. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's fantastic, which we're going to tell some stories a little bit later about <laughs> some of your hunts. Yeah. Um, now, Sean, you know, what's kind of your background getting into saddle hunting and where you, you know, where you were and where you're at now? Um, I think it goes back actually about 94, 95. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, uh, my dad, there was actually wasn't many actually safety harnesses back then. Uh, TMA really hadn't settled on a five-point system. And uh, there was actually safety harnesses that were just a waist belt. Yeah. And there was a tear to the tree. And my dad was showing me that I could, I could shoot 360 degrees around the tree if I just lean off the edge of the, the hang-on. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's immediately when I saw that, you know, if you have some sort of harness system that allows you to work around a tree you know you, you have a significant advantage and so that you know that goes in the back of your head i was still hunting in, uh in a exclusively in a hang-on tree stand until about 2003 2004 mm-hmm. um picked up a trophy line tree saddle i think it, it showed up at the cabela's catalog or something like that and uh actually I, and then i hunted with that off and on Kind of like what Greg said earlier, it was kind of like a tool in my toolbox. I said, I didn't, I didn't abandon uh, the the whole tree stand thing mainly because I didn't really like the ring of steps. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I, w- I was kind of like a saddle hunter slash tree stand hunter just because I didn't like the ring of steps. And then it wasn't long. I, I, I don't know the, the exact year when we started coming out with these pivot platforms made from tree stand seats. No. And things like that where you you could actually because what actually happened is I actually lost some excellent opportunities on great bucks because with the ring of steps I couldn't quickly and efficiently shoot to the weak side of the tree yeah. sometimes I I you know it, it, I knew if I if I could 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 turn on a tree stand I would have killed that buck and so there was times where I said oh, I'm, I'm, I'm missing this saddle um, so we start coming out with these uh, with these pivot platforms with, with seats and it's been pretty much saddle all the time mm-hmm. um in fact it, i haven't used my tree stand a lot the last few years i actually used it a couple times in the late season with my heated bodysuit because mm-hmm. i haven't figured out how to really use that well with the saddle system but now i've moved to some first light cold weather gear i don't really use my heater bodysuit anymore but yeah, and then that's kind of how we went with the Prairie Platform with Tethered. Mm-hmm. You know, we got, it was uh, September of uh, 2016, and the, a bunch of us were just wrapping on the forum because that's what we do during our day jobs. And uh, <laughs> uh, Greg, Greg's like, we should just we should just cast it. And uh, Greg's like, I'll, I'll, I'll figure out how to do it. And I'm like, Greg, it's hunting season. We'll figure it out later. And it was... Uh, <laughs> Right after hunting season, we got a group of guys together, and we started putting together the ideas for the for the predator platform. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it's been uh, it's been great ever since. Yeah, Sean actually is one of the engineers that helped design the predator platform. Okay. Yeah. 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 Also, uh, Garrett Prowl from DIY Sportsman. He yeah. was huge, like, critical. Yeah. He's huge in the in the design of that. And Ernie's obviously a mechanical engineer. And uh, working at the foundry, yeah, it was it was a it was a great team effort. 
putting that together. To me, the Predator platform is as significant a step forward in saddle hunting as a, the Mantis saddle, mm-hmm. if, oh, if, yeah. if not more. Yeah. The think, Predator platform yeah. is legit. And if you are interested in saddle hunting and you're not looking at the Predator, you're wrong. That thing is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Predator solves the problem that we always had while saddle hunting, with, which was, what do I do with my feet? Yep. And, and like and Sean's saying... Yeah. How do you feel? <laughs> That's or, a very, other very stuff. good point. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the and to shoot to that weak side quicker, easier by you know spinning or standing up yep. and using like a tree stand, I mean, whatever. It, it just fixes all the problems. And you preserve that three sixty shooting with the with the platform, just because you can still work around the tree, you can still pivot around the tree. In fact, you can. You, Greg's got videos, multiple videos, actually showing. How to shoot 360 degrees round tree at the Predator, uh, Predator platform? It's 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 great. And, I love it. And you can do it with less movement than actually walking around mm-hmm. the tree used to require. Oh, for sure. And I mean, movement you, movement's huge. Yeah, you can just pivot on there and, and have a, a much easier time for shooting. I was gonna say that's what I've noticed with it because I started out with a ring of steps when I first got my saddle because I bought the, I bought the platform, but it, again it was you know I think it was we were waiting on for four or five weeks, so I got a ring of steps. And I like the ring of steps, but then I, you know, I, I shot one, one or two deer out of the ring of steps, and it was, it was fine. But one thing I noticed once I got the platform is is how easy, yes, you, how you can go around the tree with very little movement. You literally, you know, straighten one leg, bend the other leg, and you can go around the tree. Where the where the steps, you actually have to like kind of walk yourself around. And to me, it took me a while to be able to get that. Actually, quite a while to be able to get that and feel comfortable without having to hold a tree. Because it's weird, like, you know, you're trying to trust the equipment and everything, so you're, like, taking your feet off the steps to, like, kind of go around. Just was not natural to me at first. Um, but, again, the platform makes it so easy to just be able to kind of maneuver around and, again, make it functional. And I love how you can stand up. If you have to readjust the saddle, you know, tuck in a shirt or something that comes on top of you, cold, add another layer, you can stand up and then readjust everything where you can kind of do that in the ring steps, but you're, like, right on top of the tree, and it's hard to be able to do that. So Yeah. It makes a transition easier, too, for, you know, a guy who has grown up in a traditional tree stand is used to having something there to stand on. Mm-hmm. It takes a little bit of that fear away, a little bit of that that you know resistance to change because it's a baby step into it. You know, yeah, there's still something that they can kind of stand on and work on, but your primary solution is going to be the saddle. And uh, I think that makes before that platform was available, the the resistance was a lot harder to get over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we never. Whenever you stand on that platform, you know, for the first time you're coming from a stand, there's that familiarity there, yeah. you know, that you had with a, a regular tree stand. Yeah. And so that helps a lot, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I 100% agree. And that's what I've told. So I actually was hunting on some public land in Alabama probably about three weeks ago. was out there. While I was walking out, another hunter was kind of like, we kind of crossed paths on a road. And I saw the boot tracks and everything. He was, you know, not to say older gentleman, but a little older than me. And we meet up and we start talking and stuff and trying to shoot the breeze. Turned out he shot a buck and everything. He was trying to go find it. And we just started talking. And we started talking about what's he hunting out of, what's I'm hunting out of. And I started telling Tree Sally, he's like, oh, yeah, I saw the hunting public using that and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's very fascinating. I'm like, what do you want to try, mine? He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I got it on right now and I got my platform. Do you want to try it? He's like, sure. I'm like, I'm like as long as you're not busy. And I'm like, yeah, let's go. So I found a little pine tree next to it, a little poplar, whatever this little tree was. 
put the platform on there. I got up, kind of show him how I clipped in and kind of like what you could do. And the second he saw it, he's like, oh my gosh, that is awesome. Because he's only hunting up climbers. He won't hunt up a lock-on because he's scared of like that transition from going up the step onto it, not mm-hmm. being attached. Oh, for sure. Because you got the lines of belt and, you know, with the cool thing about the saddle, I was telling him, I had multiple situations where had steps kick out or something on me. And I literally had to put my tether, linesman belt on the tree, put my tether on the tree, lower the rope man, snap into it with my bridge, and then take my linesman belt to like go down the tree a little bit. Because they're almost attached. And he loved that idea. So he got up there and started messing around with it. And he's like, dude, I'm about to go spend some money. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm like, and again, he's coming from a background. He's only ever hunted out climbers. Right. Like he will not hunt out of a, you know, anything about a climber. He's like, like I most feel, people in yeah, Alabama. Hey, that's true. And he's like, I feel secure in this thing. Like he was standing up on it, doing all kinds of shots. I was like, rotate your hips. Because again, when you first get in a cell, you don't think about rotating your hips to be able to shoot behind you. I'm like, rotate your sh- hips and try to actually shoot behind me. And uh, he did it. And he was like, dude, this is fantastic. I'm like, yeah. that's what I was telling you, man. I'm like, get your gun up there and try to like, you know, shoot off the, I love with a rifle. Hunting out of a, um, a saddle using the bridge as like a rifle rest is fantastic. And he mm-hmm. did that. And he's like, dude. And then he just bought one. He bought a whole set two days or two weeks ago. Yeah. So yeah. he's excited for it. It's awesome. I love rifle hunting out of them. My first rifle hunt out of a saddle, I killed a buck this year. Nice. So that was nice. nice. That was that because of the saddle or was that because? That was because 100% because of the yeah, saddle. Yeah, because you were in a crazy location too. Yeah. Yeah, I was in a terrible location. Can't get a tree stand in there. Well, it was like in the right location. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was terrible to get into. Yeah. yeah. Which is the beauty of the saddle. I can go hunt miserable places. <laughs> but that's where the deer are. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fun to see the lights come on when people get it for the first time. Yeah. When 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 somebody's like, oh, that's dumb, but I'll sit in it anyways. And then all of a sudden you can just see the wheels start turning. And by the time they're done, you know, it's, it's a revolution. It's something that's so exciting for them. And then it's like a new toy. Everybody's like, oh, I got to try this. I got to try Hey, what's that rope man doing? What, you know, all of a sudden, yeah. it's just a mind yeah. dump. It's of sensory all overload. Yeah. Really welcome is. to the rabbit hole. Oh, yeah. Welcome <laughs> to the rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the bottom. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it never ends. I wish I would have filmed it when he got up there. I wish I had my big camera because I had it packed away. Yeah. Just to film his reaction because, especially the rope man, because he's only used Prusset knots or Prusset knots, however you want to say it. Uh, for his like his tether, and I showed him the rope man, I'm, and he that was like he's like that's my favorite piece, like that. He's like <laughs> yeah. I wish I've had that for the last 15 years. I'm like dude, and I was the same way when I bought one. I was like man, this is so cool. And uh, again, it was just it was a fun time to show him what was capable of it, and get be able to save some weight and everything. So he really enjoyed it. But to kind of not get off topic, Mike. I know you've had you've had a saddle for a little Whoa, while. We got, we skipped yeah, we forgot him. Did I skip you? You skipped me, man. It's okay. He, he, and I love his story, too, because it, it's... <laughs> 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 I'm, 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 I'm jumping all over <laughs> Come on. No. It's Carl. We can keep going. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's... Uh, yeah. So you got Greg, Ernie, Taylor, and yeah. Sean here yeah. with these decades of saddle hunting experience, yeah. right? And I have had less than a year in awesome. the saddle. Sweet. And how I got introduced to it mm-hmm. was, you know, it was... Uh, it would have been the 2016 season it was winding down and I was I just like all of us we start Google searching and we're looking you know and in what's what's out there what's better mm-hmm. and honestly what I was doing I was looking at what's the latest and greatest lightest tree stand I'm sure somebody's come out with one so let me look you know so I start looking and uh, I don't know how it one thing led to another doing a Google search and I see a picture of somebody hanging in a saddle and I'm like and I knew I knew they existed, mm-hmm. um, and but it had never crossed my mind. Yeah. You know, I was looking for a tree stand, you know, and so I saw that, and so I did a little bit more research, and I'm looking closer at images, and 
and kind of my background is I'm a gear maker. I mean, I, I make, um, I sew. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. He doesn't just sew. Carl is the Michael Jordan of sewing. Yeah, master thread injector. Yes, he's I a master. Master tinker. Because you're the, the thought behind Strap, right? Is that correct? Yeah, I, I, I uh, after we got through our, uh, uh, you know, got off the train for a second as far as the mantis and everything, then I started the gears, they never stopped turning. Mm-hmm. And so, like all of us as saddle hunters, we're constantly striving to make something more efficient, something lighter, something mm-hmm. better. And so I came up with the Versa strap. Um, basically, it, you know, it, it's a, a strap with uh, multiple loops throughout the length of, of a six foot section. Mm-hmm. Um, no buckle. Um, you know, it weighs uh, two ounces. No noise, no bulk, no clanging anything around. Yeah. You know, uh, but yeah, but that was that was later on. So yeah, I, so I said, you know, I can. Uh, I've got two Juki sewing machines in my basement, you know. I mean, these are commercial machines. Uh, one came later, but I already had one. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I, I think I can make one of these, you know. And I just joined um, SaddleHunter.com. Mm-hmm. I just got on that form because I was looking for more information, you know. Um, you know, it just it piqued my interest. And so I got on there and I was looking and, you know, I, I was a, a, what do you call it, a, a, a lurker, you know, at that point. Mm-hmm. I thought, I think I can make this. So, uh so I officially signed up on Saddle Hunter and kind of introduced myself in the DIY section, you know, because uh, I've been building um, uh, sill nylon shelters, uh, high speed, low drag for elk backpack hunting. You know, I've been building several of those. Uh, my buddy William Hansen, he's really big on rock slide and stuff. Yeah, um, he'd kind of um, invited me in to do that, some of that, and so I'd already been doing a lot of that. I had a lot of machine time, um, you know, over the last year and a half. And I I, uh, I got on there, introduced myself on Saddle Hunter, and said, I think I'm going to make a saddle, you know, and um, I, I'm going to do it kind of as a build along. So I, I kind of, you know, did photos of, of the process and, and, mm-hmm. and me sewing it up and everything, and it just went nuts from there. Um, my guys were just like, you mean we can do this? You know, it's somebody who's not a sew company or a sew house or a manufacturer can do this. Yep. And it, it was uh, it was pretty incredible the response to that. And it's funny because you can go to that thread this day, and on that first page, I think right after I did the intro post on it, mm-hmm. Greg gets on there. He's G two Outdoors on there, yep. following. You know, and that's all it said, following. And I didn't know who he was, you know, or anything. So I I did it, and uh, um, you know, did the build along, and um, then uh, I, I I think I I bought um, a, what was that a, a a lifeguard or li- or Mad Rock lifeguard. Yeah, he had, Greg listed a Mad a Mad Rock lifeguard um, thing on the on the classifieds and which is a belay device for repelling. Yeah, belay device for repelling. And at this time, I'm is that I am the one I just bought from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything seems to go around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm I've got one foot in the rabbit hole and I'm slipping really hard and. Uh, so yeah, I was I was just kind of snagging all the stuff up as I'm building the saddle, and um, so I, I I bought that Mad Rock from Greg in the classified section. So we you know private message type type situation, mm-hmm. and he's like, hey, uh, would you be interested in doing uh, some prototyping? I'm like, sure, I guess you know. Mm-hmm. One thing led to another, then the phone call comes, and um, it began, and, and the next thing you know, I am spending hours and hours and hours in my basement and we're all communicating with each other see the tethered is built by saddle hunters yeah and we're all in different states scattered across the country mm-hmm. but we're all communicating 
And, you know, I don't, they know what needs to be in this saddle, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm just the monkey behind the machine, you know? And so, so we're, we're building this thing and, and, uh, you know, putting all these ideas into it and how, how many iterations did we go through? It was several, it was was several dozens. I mean, and we're, we're stupid with this thing. We're like overnighting these things to each other, you know, it just like constant constant video chats and. Um, yeah, we're, we're, these saddles are just making the circuit. They're going everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Greg or Ernie or somebody somebody would say, okay, let's do this, this, and this, you know, or let's see if we can tweak this. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, back drawing board and, you know, whip out another one, send it out. Um, and I was starting to get a little bit of experience hanging in one because every one I would make, out the back door, find a tree, what's this feel like, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I didn't have, I didn't know what saddle shape was. I heard Greg refer to it many times before, um, you know, as being a thing. And, and I didn't know what I was trying to feel. I am like, this feels awfully nice to me, you know, um, as somebody who knows, I only know what I know at yeah. this point. Um, so I was like, cool, I like it, send it off, you know? And, um, but yeah, any, anyway, just uh, one thing led to another. And, and as the Mantis was, was being born and, 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 and coming into play, I was thinking of these other things, you know, I'm like, because we had just briefly hit on um, what, what's known now as the cis haulers, you know, yeah. the, the our pouches for tethers and gear and stuff. And I was like, man, I th- think I can whip something up for these, you know. And so that whipped that out. I said, hey, Greg, you like this? And it was like in love, you know. Yeah. And it just it just fit. And throughout my my history of building stuff, I'm a huge... I'm a huge fan of modularity. Mm-hmm. Um, everything is multi-purposed, and it, and it uh, you can be used as a standalone, or it can be used in combination with this, and and it just fit into the saddle hunting, um, you know, community as far as because that's what saddle hunters try to do, mm-hmm. and um, that's how I got involved, and uh, it's just been one heck of a ride. I tell you that, and it's, so it's and this was we're going it'll be a year. February seventeenth. That's crazy. I think so, since I launched that post, and it's just been madness. So this is your this is your first fall hunting. How'd that go? It without a hitch. Uh, yeah, as far as the hunting, um, it, it was it was without a hitch. And I, like I mentioned before, I, I hunt I hunt with a recurve, and uh, I had I had hung around in him enough. <laughs> Am I getting on a tangent? He asked me a question. What? Yeah. Sean said, "I can't remember what the question was." Yeah, how did my fall season go? Ask the most fall season one. It should go quick. Hey, my story takes a little longer to tell. It just does. It all started on Monday. Yeah. So anyway, what happened was the weather was gorgeous. Okay, let me give you the the short version. I ended up in between all of the stitch time in the basement. I actually was able to get out. I killed two deer with my recurve. Both shots I could not have made out of a stand of any kind. Sweet. Done. How's that, Dad? Oh, that's what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Mike was over there telling me I didn't know how to handle a podcast because I'm rubbing my finger like an idiot. Along no. with the microphone. You're putting stickers on Ernie. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember Andrew. I, like, I think you're cracking on me. He was cringing. He's like, oh, yeah. no. I was like, no, oh, yeah. Yeah. as soon as it happened, I'm like, yeah, that's... Uh, Probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Remix. <laughs> now, now to follow Carl up, Mike. Yeah. Give, give us I'm trying to be a little shorter. <laughs> I'm new to this guy. I like it. Yeah. That's an awesome story. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great story. That's seriously. I was not thinking cool. that at all. Actually, I think way. this is actually yeah. the first uh-huh. time that we've actually had the comprehensive story about a tethered 
pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. You heard it here first. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think you're right. I think yeah, it's we, always been glossed over, but the, the, it's never the been laid fine out there. details. So really, that, that that is really interesting. How, well, yeah, how and that's just the, that's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, if we wanted to talk about everyone that had input into this thing, oh, yeah. we'd, we'd be sitting yeah. here for we got three Jared hours. And and Huck and yeah, there's guys yeah, that Scott, yeah, Scott and, yeah, yeah, big 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 story. But what's know. cool is the group of guys that that were assembled to test the, the saddles and try them out all have very different backgrounds, very different stories, but the common thread there is like a really experienced saddle hunting kind of knowledge base there. Yeah, and we all want to just make it great, so. And Carl. Yeah, and Carl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll go back to my basement. <laughs> uh, that's pretty cool. Well, I... I I got in a pretty similar to you, Jacob. Yeah. Uh, now, we've had some other guys on our podcast, like Dave T, and we had Eberhard on. Yeah. So I was familiar. I, I knew that, like, really hardcore guys were into saddle hunting, but I had some of the same opinions. I'd seen on Archery Talk back in the day, too, threads about it, and I kind of thought you, like, hanged from a limb, yeah. maybe. <laughs> like, I had a lot of misconceptions about what it was. But even once I got it more... I'm not so much a tinkerer to be messing with stuff all the time and selling and all that kind of stuff. So that's where, you know, I knew it wasn't quite for me yet because there, it wasn't easily available commercially. Um, so I got it for the same reasons the portability is the biggest deal for me mm-hmm. and being able to get through like super thick stuff. Mm-hmm. And what I was excited about is being able to put it in my pack or wear it and, you know, not know exactly where I'm going and one thing is you haul a, a heavy climber stand in somewhere and if I walk in a mile I'm going to use the thing I'm not going to mm-hmm. like lay it on the ground and not use it so I'm mm-hmm. going to find a tree I can climb that thing because I didn't just carry it in a mile through a swamp so I could lay it on the ground and or, or turn around and go somewhere else yeah. yep mm-hmm. so as far as like scouting while you hunt that's what I was most excited about and that's this season has has been very useful in that now I haven't killed anything out of a saddle or a climber or anything this year out of anything so um but it's certainly not because of the saddle or anything like it's it's gotten me where i needed to go i've had encounters and that kind of stuff so Mm -hmm. that's exciting with it yeah i got a lot of feedback of that in particular that scouting and hunting as you go you know just we we wore our tether gear around ata all this week and the guys that tried the system bought system tried it and fell in love with it they said that that, i heard that phrase a lot yeah you know this the hang and hunt being able to scout keep it light keep it mobile yeah, that, that, that's what's To me, that's on. the most game-changing thing about it is, like, coming from a guy who, you know, grew up with private land but decided to start hunting public land because it was more relatively uh, accessible, you know, across the state where I was living and I had more property to hunt. You know, hunting, starting out with climber, then going to a lock-on set because it was lighter and more fu- functional than this, to then going to a, a saddle just changed my mindset of, like, where I could go hunt. Not just because what tree I could climb, but where am I going to go? Kind of like what you say. If I'm packing a stand, I'm using the thing. I ain't... I'm not going in there just to sit down by, all right, whatever, you know, I didn't find anything worth hunting, so I'm going to come back out or whatever. Or I don't want to go over the next hill because I don't want to carry 25, 30 pounds on my back. Where with this setup, you know, the only heavy thing I have is my camera gear, to be honest. Because my whole setup right now, depending on what, you know, what platform I'm using, is anywhere between eight and a half pounds to 10 and a half pounds total. Yeah. Um, system and everything. So I absolutely love that. So, I mean, I can go in to a lot of places and hike in and not get fatigued and literally try to find the freshest sign possible to set up over. And that's how I've been having so much success this year. I've had my best year so far ever this year. 
That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's Yeah, dude, it's been that's fantastic. But yeah. and Ernie are very compelling salesmen as well. Just hearing them explain saddle hunting and that kind yeah. of stuff. I mean, it's, yeah. it's easy to get drawn into it. Mm-hmm. Well, also, a really good salesman for saddle hunting is like the early season when it's really hot. Yeah. And I was like, I was in Georgia and I was hauling the stand around all the time, which all those videos are up on our channel. And if you watch the videos, I'll probably look super miserable because I was. And that's when I bought the saddle. Is because there was one day I was hunting with Michael Pike from yeah. Southern Ground and we were there for like three days hunting this public land. And finally, I was like, I've had enough. Because Mike doesn't hunt with anything. He doesn't hunt with a saddle. He just goes and sits in a bush. And I'm, like, sitting here, like, with this giant stand on my back. And he's just, like, walking in with, like, a bow and, like, a water bottle in his back pocket. And I'm like, I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Then I I went and I took the plunge and I bought one. And it's been nice, man. I've liked it. I've liked every second of it. No, it's been ridiculous. I mean, it has totally changed my mindset. I, I I told my brother I want to buy my brother a set. My younger brother, who's a senior in high school, get him one just because of the safety aspect of it. To me, it's it's way more safe because you have two points of contact at all times if you have your tether in your back pocket. You know, use your linesman belt, but also the functionality. Of it, and I think he would really enjoy it. Plus, I told him like I don't have kids right now, but like if I had kids, that you know, whenever. I would rather put it's them. Good thing you quit wearing the saddle like you were, otherwise. You might yeah. <laughs> appreciate it. Like, you wearing your armpits. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm never kids. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, very much so. But, I but again, I, I think the, the atmosphere of putting a, a, a not like a young child, but you know, a teenager in a saddle is a great idea. Um, what's his? Oh, Ted Bright. Yes. He put his awesome son, year. Yeah, his son's awesome like 15 year. or 14, 15 years old, 16 years I old. I think he's 16. 16, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, that's freaking awesome. And that's exactly what I would want to do because, first of all, the safety aspect. Plus, to me, it's more fun hunting out of saddle because it's more versatile. Mm-hmm. And you're not freaking packing in a freaking heavy sand, dude. Yeah, Ted and his boy had, I mean, they were, they one were on for the books. It. Yeah. Well, well, Ted's, he's a, he's a, Ted lives just literally 15 miles down the interstate from where I live. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've we become friends and, and communicating a lot. And I've learned more from him mm-hmm. uh, just about hunting whitetails, b- big mature whitetails yeah. on public land this season. And just the few uh, brief encounters that we've had, yeah. that dude, he's got it going on. He, oh, knows, he killed some bucks this year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he hit I mean, awesome one last year too. I mean, he, he hunts that public land. and yeah. Well, yeah, last year he killed that 160 and some change down there uh, on the area that we hunt yep. um, on that public land. And then this year his boy got that nice eight-pointer. Mm-hmm. His first pass through, he was just completely pumped out of the saddle. Yep. And then then uh, Ted turns around and gets that really nice eight yeah. just a couple days later, I think. Maybe it was the next day. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But it, it was awesome to see him and his boy doing that, you know. And I think that's the I think that's a new avenue for saddle hunting for the masses is getting younger kids into it. Well, I mean younger kids. I'm talking like you know that teenage year probably is probably the safest time to get them. I mean it's or women or well, your when spouse. You, you know, you, yeah, you get your daughter. In. Yeah, my daughter is. Um, uh, I had her in the saddle. When she was nine. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I let Tiffany, my fiance, get in it, and she she hunts with me sometimes, but not that much because she's like she gets bored or cold or something. Because it's like seventy two degrees and she's like shivering. Yeah. <laughs> but I put her in the saddle in the backyard and she was like swinging around like a monkey. She, she loved it. Man. Where's that blooper of me doing that when we did that review? 
I, I, oh, I yeah, was like Jacob a pinata. Like violently <laughs> swung around. He was like trying to sling himself out of it or something, and he like swung around and almost smacked another tree. <laughs> it was hilarious. It's awesome. All the footage is great. <laughs> I'm gonna go find it, and I'm just yeah. gonna post that video the on Instagram. And Jacob like flying around this tree. I, dude, at first, I, I thought I was like, "This is a bad idea." I'm like trying to like stop myself. It was, but anyways, but again, not trying yeah. to be reckless or crazy or anything, but. Absolutely love it. Now, one one thing, you know, having all you guys here, especially Greg and Ernie as well, uh, is to kind of ask us some questions that Mike included about, you know, some of the stuff that, I don't know, you know, what's maybe some of our thoughts on it or what are some questions you guys have from someone starting out new to maybe go forward with when it comes to maybe when it comes to marketing or when it comes to, you know, questions being answered before someone buys a saddle. Well, I mean, for me, you've kind of covered some of it already. Because yeah. the first things I'm always asking is, how'd your first sit go? Mm-hmm. Did you have any problems? Where are the places where me, we can do a little better job educating? Mm-hmm. You know, what can we do to make that transition better for people? And, I mean, just in the time we've been sitting here, your story's kind of covered most of the generic questions that I would ask. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, you know, is there something that you hated about it? We're not a static company. Mm-hmm. We're, we're really not. If there's something that can be improved, we're going to look at it improving it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're a community-grown product. Almost everything we did came from ideas from the community and what they were, what, you know, what people thought was going to be a better way of doing it. And that's not going to stop. The whole point is we're going to keep growing based on what people need and, and that DIY feel and that mindset of what we can do to kind of always tinker and improve. Yeah. I think the best question to ask someone is, uh, especially, it's 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 really good after the first season or your first sit or you know after you've killed your your first deer in the saddle is what did you wish you knew uh, before you started that you know now if mm-hmm. you could go back and tell tell you know uh, pre saddle hunter what what those yeah. one or two things the the two things that you really wish you would have known mm-hmm. first off definitely. Keep that saddle lower. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's just that's just the case. What set of instructions right did you send with yeah, it? Well, <laughs> and I don't think that applies to no. your average user. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I did look at the instructions. I guess I didn't read them that well. I still have them at the house because I was looking at them a couple days ago. Like, hey, man, I, maybe I didn't look at this all that correctly. Yeah. But I'll tell you the first thing is when I put my saddle on the first time, when I was actually doing the video and we cut that part out. I actually put the bridge on. I had it like didn't step through the bridge. I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, how does this all work? I did that too the first time I put it on. I was like, oh man. But like, I'm probably, probably it the, the biggest thing is is like one thing I wish I would have known starting out is probably maybe practice more. Not something I would have known, but practice more on the ground and get comfortable. The feel, how it should feel on you, because that's another thing. When you're never sat in a saddle before, you're like, what's it supposed to feel like? Because exactly. I remember Greg was asking me, or someone was asking me, like, well, what's it feel like? I'm like. I don't know. I've never had this feeling before of freaking having something cupped underneath you like a seat like that. So I didn't know. That's one reason I didn't know if it was too high or too low. And like, was it comfortable? It was too high. <laughs> Clearly. If you're, hanging, if you're hanging by your testicles. Like <laughs> but, but again, you know. And that we just moved up to PG-13. <laughs> but again, it's just trying to figure out, you know, trusting the equipment, being able to like feel comfortable going around the edge of the tree on both sides. Or going around the tree whether you're using a ring of steps or whatever. That was my biggest thing because I remember our first sit, I got up and of course it was horrible. Really, the first real sit after the fact, I got up there and I was like, I was like kind of holding on the tree when I wanted to go around the edge of it or whatever, like you know, because I was using a ring of steps and I'd like lean back and it was fine. 
Then I got to the point where I just, you know, after three or four sits, just tucking a knee in, put a knee inside the tree, and then pivoting it around. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot easier. It's learning to trust the gear. Yeah, yeah, you know? that, exactly. That's a big thing is, like, getting your, your like, like your saddle legs or whatever. Because there's certain things when you first get in the saddle where your body is just like, no, don't, yes. do, that. don't do that. Your body's like, oh, your body's like, that's no, not a good idea. Your mind's like, your mind's like, I think I can do it. And your body's like, no way in hell. Like the, the whole concept of like hands free and then taking one leg off and you only have one foot on whatever platform or whatever it is and you're trying to go around this mentally, I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. So yeah. I was always like grabbing on and stuff, which was kind of funny because I kept telling myself, I'm like, it's not that bad. I mean, I'm attached. I can't go nowhere. It's like um, the photo that Walter Lee posted, like talking about like his step kicked out and he slapped the tree. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, he fell like this far and like he just went to the tree, no big deal. That was a, that was a life changer for him. Yeah, exactly. He was terrified of the saddle. Yeah. yeah. And, and all of a sudden, what you know could have been the best or worst situation yeah. was it, his foot kicked off and he, he fell two inches and swung into the tree. He's like, man, I didn't really fall. Yeah. All I, you know, all I did is reposition uh-huh. a little bit. And after that, he's been money. And that gave me more confidence when climbing. I got the tree that I killed my buck out of in Tennessee was the, there was no way in heck I'd ever get a stand in that tree. I don't know. And do you know what kind of tree that is up there on that fence row? I think it was an Osage orange. So, dude, it is like you're going up, there's branches everywhere, and there's nothing about this tree straight. The thing just keeps doing like this yeah. as you climb. There's not a straight branch on no No, and, and, <laughs> I, and I was using two low six at the base, and then I was using like six um, sound approach steps when I was going up. And it it was it was scary as heck going up the tree. But I'm like, I have to sit in this tree. I have to sit in it. More as an observation turns out that's all the deer were funneling right there on top of this big, big big pasture. But the whole thing was, there's no way I would get out of a tree stand up there. There's yeah. no way. Because even where I was situated, tethered to the tree, it had a lean to it. And I was on a ring of steps. I just kind of dealt with it, got on the side. It was no big deal. And it was able to shoot the buck out of it. Spun 180 degrees around from the tree, one foot on the platform, one foot on a branch, and shot him like that. Like yeah. across my body. And talking about trees like that, how'd you like that cover? It was ridiculous. I know, right? And I had deer, and I was only probably 12 feet up, because I really didn't space anything out that far climbing up the street because it was so, like, gnarly. Mm-hmm. But I was probably only 12 feet up, if that. And I had does all around me. I had bucks chasing does underneath me. And, like, they would look up at me, and I was, like, leaning off. And I, I, I look over my shoulder. They look up at me. They look up at me. <clears> just <throat> keep on walking and put their head down. Yeah. And it's like having that angle, where, you know, like, kind of like close to that 45-degree angle makes it look a lot more natural. I was telling someone else about this this weekend. You know, tree sand, it's all about 90 degrees. You get platform 90 degrees, and you're standing 90 degrees. There's unnatural angles. Nothing. nothing. You look out in the woods, there's nothing that looks like that. Yeah. But when you're hanging off the side of the tree, I mean, it looks like a dead branch. Or well, especially with all the other branches. Yeah, mm-hmm. even more so. And it's just fantastic. And I, I love that cover. And it, that's the point that kind of really sold me. Yeah, that was that, that aspect. That was a huge um, door opener for me, you know, it, this being my first season. Uh, once I figured out, mm-hmm. you know, that this was obviously the way I was going to start hunting. Yeah. I found myself seeking out the gnarliest, branchiest, yep. nastiest trees I could find. Because we're talking public land deer. Mm-hmm. They like to look up in straight trees yep. a lot. <laughs> you know, And you you, uh, you get in those, those gnarly trees, and then you take the predator platform. Um, that little dude will go around, I mean, oh, a yeah. five, six inch branch or tree, yeah. you know, like you said, there's no way you could have got a regular stand up in an Osage. Yeah. You know, um, where I, I mean, now I'm talking about the, the the diameter being too small for a stand. Mm-hmm. But once you kick a, a fold the platform on a stand out, there's no room there. No you can't room. do it. Yeah. You know, it, it was it was unreal. And like you said, with like you know those trees like that, and be able to find like the nastiest tree. Sometimes it's it's nice to be the nastiest tree. You don't always have to. 
But to know that you're going to be in there and you're going to have all that cover with you is ridiculous. Like I shot, a, I shot a doe in Alabama with my pistol on some public land down there. First, when I've been able to kill my pistol at five yards, and they came up behind me. I heard them come up behind me, and I knew they were looking in my direction and kind of up. I just had a feeling because I was on this big pine tree. I was probably 22, 23 feet up, but there was nothing else around me. So I just kind of sat there. And I was watching my eyes and had a chest holster on. I saw them start slipping up to my left, so I literally. Pop the gun out and just rotate on the platform sideways to the tree. I did this in one of our videos showing how like I like that. You can turn sideways to the tree, have the tree off to your right side or your left side. I can pull that gun out and literally stop her at like six yards and put it right through her freaking shoulder and just blew through both shoulders and she ran seventy yards and died. Yeah. And I was like, dude, that's what I'm talking about. That's awesome. So, and again, if I was up there in a the stand, I've been up in like especially Alabama or like anywhere, especially the southeast, when you're talking, you know, big pine trees, big oaks like that, where there's not much limb cover. Those, like you said, deer are looking up. They're mm -hmm. always looking up. And you're in a stand, they see this big, especially a big climber, they see this big bulk of something coming off the side of the tree, they instantly know something's up. Yeah. So I think that definitely helped me. Absolutely. Well, we're about to come up on an hour and a half, so I guess we'll kind of wrap things up. And we'll wrap it up Ranella style and just say, does anybody have any concluding thoughts? Go around the table. Mike? Oh, starting with me too. Yeah, man, put yeah. you on the spot. You're the you're the other podcaster yeah. in this room. We well, thanks it. for having me on, guys. I appreciate you letting me <laughs> yeah. join your podcast. Glad I to had, have you. Had a great time with the show. Really productive. Really fun hanging out with these guys. Looking forward to eating later. I'm starving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I'm excited about the saddle. I, I said some things earlier this year negative about it, and I I feel like. I, I was like killing kittens or something. These, these saddle <laughs> pretty hardcore. Like you can't say anything negative about it. But uh, but even with with the things that I I I guess I, I still enjoy using a climber some. But I, I would never trade not having it. Like I'm really excited that I have it. I wouldn't get rid of it. Um, so I, I think that's pretty cool. Tool in the toolbox, like he said. I guess. Yeah. Right. I think it's funny yeah. that you got caught flack for. Oh man, it was saying like, something. Yeah, <laughs> it probably it wasn't, was. It wasn't you guys. It was. It wasn't the tethered guys. I mean, it was just people that are into saddle hunting. Are no, really I listened into to the podcast, hunting. and you yeah. just were very honest about it. You said, "Yeah, where I hunt, I'm from." I'm paraphrasing here, but but I remember taking away the fact that where you hunt, there's lots and lots and lots of great climber trees, so yeah. it's really easy and convenient for you to just drop it in there climb up the tree and you don't have to deal with those mm -hmm. stupid climbing sticks, mm -hmm. which I completely agree. If there's a place where it's really conducive to a climber, use a climber. I mean, I... Right, right. But I still would have, like, so the only time it comes into play is a brand new hunter. Okay, which one are you going to get first? Because I think it's great to have both, mm. really. So, and, and if you're a guy that's in a climber, I would skip past getting a hang on and jump straight to the saddle. You know? Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and you know what? If you're a guy that's in a, a hang-on, so I, I hunted mostly out of a climber, and I had a hang-on. I used it a little bit, but there's more of a learning curve with the climbing system than that. For the saddle, for me, I was, I had done some climbing in the past, like rock climbing. Mm. I wasn't like a great climber or anything, but, but had enough experience with it. I never had a hang-up with the idea of just hanging from a rope. Um, and, and moving around and that kind of stuff. For me, it was the system of getting up the tree and the sticks and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It's a lot trickier doing that than it is using a climber. A lot. Now, you can be a lot quieter with sticks, and there are definitely some other advantages, and you need a nice straight tree. Um, so, 
it, to me, it was more of a question of what you're going to use first. And, and, you know, to some people that really like a saddle, it's offensive if you wouldn't only use a saddle. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think I'm talking to even the guys in this room. So no. anyway, uh, I'm really excited to have both. I think there's tremendous advantages to both. Yeah, I've never been so passionate about a product until I started using this product. The only thing else I've been passionate about was previously my level of lock-on and sticks. Because I've been using that for five years. And I was telling guys back in Alabama, like, this is what you need to be using running on public land. Because everyone using climbers were hunting in certain areas that you could use climbers in. You know, straight tall trees, pine trees, whatever. But when you get down to these thicker bottoms and stuff where a lot of these deer were, you couldn't use that. Or the you edge of a cutout. Yeah, it's still a top-notch product. Yeah, too. So, so, and exactly. And I still love the company. I love the guys there. You know, I have a great bond with them. We've been talking with them for quite a while. So it's a great company. But I just now see that there's another option out here that is, to me, even better for what I'm doing. Again, it might not be great for everybody. But for what I'm doing and how I hunt, especially on public land, it just makes the most sense for me. And it's ridiculously how passionate I'm about this product. And just telling people about it. And it's kind of like, I had somebody tell me this today on, I think it was our YouTube channel, like, because I mentioned saddle hunting while I was talking to uh, uh, the guys at the Lone Wolf Custom Gear stand, uh, talking about their stand sticks that we use saddles. And the guy commented on there, he's like, man, Saddle hunters are the new vegans. You know, they just want to tell everybody they got them. I'm like, that's fine. I mean, if you're, if you're passionate about what you do, man, let them know. Yeah. Like, we're the what? opposite of vegans. We're the guys killing we're killing, all the Exactly. Yeah. But it's like, whatever, man. You know, Caveman diet. If you're passionate about something, let people know. You know, They can tell you, screw off, whatever. Tell me, screw off. That's fine. But it's just, you know, coming from an idea of carrying around heavy gear, especially with camera gear now, it's uh, it's blowing my mind, and it's something I definitely I cannot see myself not using going forward. Well, your stand now weighs less than your camera gear. Yeah, which it used to be the opposite. Yeah, have y'all seen my camera? Y'all have you seen my camera arm and everything else? Okay, it's ridiculous. So yeah, camera gear sucks. It does. Oh, if, if if I was not if I was not even filming, which by the way, if you had a, a a hunter and a cameraman, saddle is the best thing for a cameraman. It is so functional. Oh, we yeah. had a hunt this year where he was in a tree stand, I was in a saddle, and it was amazing what kind of angles I could get from behind the tree on the same tree with him in the saddle. Yeah, he got a really good angle of me shooting a, like a tree way, branch. Uh, yeah, that way over shoot, a doe. Yeah, shooting a tree branch and <laughs> going up over it. The big, one of the biggest oldest does I've ever seen in Alabama. Look at the play. footage. We're like, wow, that went about seven and a half feet over her back. I'm like, no, I didn't pull it that <laughs> At 25 yards, you got to love it. Oh, yeah. It, it's perfect for the camera guy. The other thing that it's really great for... Mm-hmm is if you want to be in the same stand as your kid, yep. you, you can double up. And especially for, like, me, I can't wait till my kids are bigger because they're both right-handed. I'm left-handed. Mm-hmm. We can literally put a platform on both sides of the same tree mm-hmm. and both be able to hunt, and, and then you're right there with them, and you can kind of coach them through and do whatever. It's you know, That makes it kind of nice that way. Very much so. Very much so. Right, Ernie, conclude. Oh, I just – hey, man, this is awesome. I, we've been trying to – team up with you guys all day all weekend actually yep. it seems like we keep bouncing back and forth so it's nice to finally sit down um crazy weekend oh I, yeah it, it has been um a lot a lot of cool experiences a lot of cool times and mm-hmm. and uh you know i love hearing your stories man <laughs> the around the armpit saddle that's a new one for me <laughs> <laughs> um, there's one in every group yeah no, it's, uh, <laughs> well, there's at least one in this group i'll tell you that yeah so yeah, so, yeah very cool i like i said thank you uh, for me, it's just a, I like hearing about guys that are becoming more efficient hunters, and uh, just, you know Ernie and I, and the, really the whole tethered crew, we we just believe in efficiency, and we like to see hunters get better at our craft. So whether it's saddle hunting or perfecting a climbing method, or you know figuring out a way a better way to carry stuff in your pack and it's more efficient, 
I just like hearing that kind of stuff. So it's really cool to hear that you guys are kind of starting to make uh, some of the same decisions and go down the same rabbit holes and learn about efficiency. So that's pretty cool. That's what that's what we want to do. Yeah, we'll see you at the bottom in a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so a deep hole. I don't think you guys found the bottom yet. Yeah. 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 We're still digging. <laughs> yeah. I would tell everybody out there that's interested in saddles, I mean, check them out. Keep an open mind. When you get one, practice in it before you go out to the woods. You know, mm-hmm. It takes yeah. a little bit of time. Maybe if they show up before hunting season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would certainly help. Yeah. <laughs> Order one now, guys. Or even yeah. during yeah, hunting that, season. That was, my, that was my problem. I hung the saddle on like your support beam in your apartment I, I got and sat there, for, sat there for like five minutes. I was like, all right, good to go. <laughs> Went like got the gnarliest, smallest little tree the next day. Yeah, we have it, good time. it takes a little, there's a little bit of a learning curve there to mm-hmm. not only learn that you can trust something so lightweight that you can forget that it's there, but also kind of learning how to maneuver around the tree with it. So, um, I'd say just a big thank you to the community. Um, uh, one, the community at ATA. Mm-hmm. I was actually surprised. I thought it'd just be like a bunch of vendors, but. Uh, it truly is a community here. Um, there's a there's a lot of vendors here, and and, and they see that we're uh, that when we were here, they they saw our product and that we're a young company, and they were they'd help us out. You got to talk to this person. You got to talk to this person. Um, yeah, that was really cool, and that that blew me away. And also, thank you to the Saddle Hunter community. I mean, Tether wouldn't be here without the input of all the other Saddle Hunters out there. I mean, we have a group of here of people here, but there's a, a hundred times more input into into what this product is today because of all the other set of horns out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would just follow up on what Sean just said. It's, yeah, this this wouldn't have happened, you know, or Tethered wouldn't be Tethered without the entire Saddle Hunter community. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, it's just it's just like a snowball going down a really steep hill, <laughs> you know, and, and we're and we're just we're just uh, we're at the beginning. Yep. So absolutely. Well, I'll end it with uh, with that, and by saying that uh, I had a lot of fun this weekend. I had a great time meeting all you guys, hanging out with everybody. It's the first time we've all met in person, which is really nice. And uh, yeah, I mean, thanks for hanging out with us, having a good time all weekend, and I can't wait to do it again next year. And thank y'all and for great. also thank y'all for producing such a great product in a, a great atmosphere with the product yeah it's one thing to have a great product but another thing to have great product with great customer service and great um resources with the product so i really do appreciate that just guys. generally making a positive impact on the hunting community yep. i think honestly i do but yeah that being said thanks everybody thank you
You guys seem to really have enjoyed over the last year where we've went to a Q&A format every Thursday on the show where we answer some listener questions. Now, some of the most common ones that we get have to do with gear, but also how to find a good hunting buddy. You know, I'm really lucky to, to have a hunting buddy like Jacob. We've been on a lot of incredible hunting trips together over the years, and it's just nice to have somebody that, you know, is always down to go on that that trip that you've always wanted to go on or, or who will wake up at three o'clock in the morning and go get that gate before someone else does on public land with you, whatever the case may be. And like I said, we get a lot of questions on how do you find, you know, a group of people who enjoy that same thing so you can kind of network and make some connections. The Mobile Hunters Expo is the place to do that. Y'all heard us talk about it last year. And guess what? This year it's happening in Dalton, Georgia. We're going to be there June 28th through the 30th. We're going to be there all three days. We're going to have a booth. You can come talk to us. We talked to a lot of you guys last year, had a ton of fun. So looking forward to that again. But guys, I'm telling you, this is the place to come network. And there's going to be a ton of you guys there. A lot of Southern Outdoorsman podcast listeners are going to be at this show. And actually, Friday, June 28th, there's going to be an after-hour social after the expo. So what better place to go kind of intermingle, hang out with a bunch of like-minded people, and probably pick up a couple new hunting buddies. So you guys don't miss it. It's June 28th through the 30th. I'm telling you, if you listen to this podcast, this is an event you need to be at. Now, we'll see you guys at the Mobile Hunters Expo June 28th through the 30th in Dalton, Georgia.